0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Bailey is tracked down for a short loss. Jamarco Thomas.
0: It's like a missile.
1: It's a heat-seeking
0: missile to the football. Charles finding someone, directing his body, and trying to run through
1: that person. An explosive safety.
0: For some programs, maybe doesn't mean as much. For this Syracuse program, it means a lot.
1: What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAlza from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network with episode six of the Believe in Syracuse podcast. We are breaking down Syracuse's matchup with Liberty, a Friday Night Lights game in the Dome. No Shamarco Thomas for this episode, but the internet sensation Kyle Leff is filling in his shoes more than capable. Kyle, how are you doing today?
0: I am doing great. I'm making my official quote-unquote hosting debut here on the pod I am ready to break this down. I am a fanboy of NFL drafts, so being able to break down a guy like Malik Willis will always be fun to me, uh, and I'm excited to be here.
1: But before we get to that, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season, with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Absolutely, and that's exactly where we are going to start, is with Malik Willis. True dual threat quarterback, and that's that's the biggest thing for me when you're looking at Syracuse because we know Syracuse's defense has been exceptional in the first three weeks. Everything you pretty much could have hoped for in terms of their performance. Um, you know, maybe a little bit lagging behind in terms of the amount of turnovers that they've been forcing, but they're pressuring the quarterback. They're stopping the run. They're athletic. They look deep. Uh, they they are shutting down opposing teams, number one wide receivers. They, they have done just about everything you could have hoped for. And yet they really haven't had a true dual threat quarterback that they've had to face game plan for and deal with for an entire game. Albany threw in their backup, who's a little bit of a dual threat. uh, But again, it's, it's Albany. It's a completely different animal. Now you've got Malik Willis, who not only is a dual threat, But he's one of the best dual threats in the country. And as as an NFL draft guy, you know, he is projected to be a high first round draft pick. He's in the discussion to go in the top 10. Some are looking at him with a big year, potentially being in the discussion for the number one overall pick. Uh, Malik Willis is going to be a handful for Syracuse.
0: He's going to be a handful in a lot of ways. So he's a six foot one, 200 plus pound quarterback, as you said, dual threat. So he's not the biggest guy. That a lot of his NFL comps are Josh Allen based on what he does, but he's not big as Josh Allen, which a lot of Q's fans know, watching the Bills all the time. Um, so he's more of a Jalen Hurtsy, how he plays, but he's just a big dude. And that is going to be a big problem for Mikhail Jones and his linebacker core, especially because it's going to be them against Malik Willis a lot of the time. Um, reading up on Liberty. They have a very rough O-line. Their O-line lets up multiple sacks a game. So I would expect Hughes to continue what we've been doing. Um, but Malik Willis, when he gets out into space, which is going to be doing a lot against Syracuse. I'm more concerned than I should be about how we'll be able to handle him uh, with uh, our linebackers.
1: Yeah, and in Liberty's offense, they they have some other good players, some other playmakers. Uh, let's not discount what the rest of Liberty's roster looks like, but let's also be realistic about this. If you take Malik Willis off of the roster and replace him with even a slightly above average non-power five quarterback, this is a team that Syracuse looks at and says, "We should beat that team." I don't want to say handily, like by four or five touchdowns or like it was against Albany, but, you know, perhaps similar to what Ohio was, where the game is kind of close. But Syracuse clearly looks like the better team. And as it goes along, their depth shows and they pull away. But we know that that quarterback is perhaps the most important position in all of sports and can make the biggest impact of any position in all of sports. And that's the difference here is you take, you know, an uh, above average roster for a non power five team overall and then add an elite quarterback to it. And it just makes all the difference in the world. And like you said, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks or on the, on the linebackers. We know that Syracuse can put pressure on the quarterback. We know Liberty is susceptible to giving up pressure on the quarterback. The difference with a guy like Malik Willis is. You can do everything correct. You can cover at the back end. You can get pressure on Malik Willis immediately to throw off his timing and ability to go through his reads, and he can still make a play that burns you for 25, 30 yards. You can have a third and 12, and he can end up scrambling for 20 yards just because of how talented and athletic he is. Michael Vick did that throughout his whole career. We've seen you, – you made the Jalen Hurts comparison. As an Eagles fan, I love the comparison because – I am now a big Jalen Hurts fan, but you know, the, just the ability to make those plays with his legs. Uh, you think about how much of a difference Eric Dungy did a few years ago for Syracuse, the impact that he had on games where he could extend plays with his legs. And Malik Willis is going to put that pressure on Syracuse's defense. And, it, and it's, it's it kind of puts the second level in a little bit of a bind because do you spy him and take a player out of coverage um, when you're kind of in between you're you're covering a man. Do you come off of that guy early to try to, to run up and force Malik uh, Willis to throw the ball? But then if you do, you leave your wide receiver wide open and he is extremely accurate with the ball so he can get the ball there. It, it's. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch what uh, Tony White and the defensive coaching staff come up with in terms of game planning for Malik Willis, because as I said, you can do everything correct and he can still burn you.
0: Yeah, I mean, he averages what? He's got 225 on 34 carries, which is just under seven yards per rush which I guarantee all of those are going to be him scrambling out of the pocket. Cause his O-line's breaking down him finding a hole. I mean, he did it last week against uh, old dominion. He burst for a 56 yarder. I believe that he has legs and he's not a slow guy, That he is a very, very fast dual threat QB. He's going to run through you as well. He's like a Taysom Hill comparison for my saints fans out here. He's going to run through the guy he's going at. And that is a bit of a worry. I do agree, Hank, they are going to have to spy him because that's the only way you're going to solve the issue. I mean, we see it with Lamar Jackson in the NFL now that teams will put one spy on him because they know he's probably going to run if he has the chance to. And Willis is the exact same way, that if you give him any daylight at all, he's going to burn this defense for a scary amount of yards. And I mean, he's four rushing touchdowns. They have eight total as a team, so you can see what he does for them on offense just outside of just passing the ball as well.
1: And here's the most impressive thing to me about Malik Willis in terms of what he does with his legs. His 225 rushing yards, averaging almost seven yards a carry, that is including the sacks being taken out of that rushing total. So he's been sacked eight times this year, and yet he still has rushed for 225 yards. He has 55 lost rushing yards, which are from those sacks. And so he'd be up to about 280 yards on on his rushes if you take out the sacks, which which tells you um, exactly a what type of a playmaker he is, how dangerous he is. And even if Syracuse is getting pressure on him regularly, which it seems like you should expect that they're giving up almost three sacks per game. He still is that dynamic that you have to be extremely disciplined, um, and, and I'm curious to see if they do end up throwing a spy on him because of how extremely talented he is. But usually when you have a dual threat quarterback, there's some sort of weakness in terms of, well, yes, he can make plays with his legs, but maybe he's not quite as accurate. Malik Willis is completing over 71% of his passes this year. Um, Or maybe he's a little bit turnover prone. He hasn't thrown any interceptions yet in three games. Now we'll get to the level of competition um, uh, in in a little bit, but um, it's still, those, those numbers are eye popping and it tells you what Syracuse is going to be facing this week in Malik Willis. But not to be outdone, he does have other teammates on on the offensive side of the ball that have made some plays this year. Um, he's got a couple of running backs that I think are going to see see the uh, uh, get some touches this this week. Josh Mack, who is uh, upstate New York product, he has uh, the second most, or he actually has the most carries on the team with 40 but is number two on the team in rushing yards with 133 although he's only averaging a little over three yards carry Uh, tj green is second on the team in yards per carry at 5.7 and shedro lewis is a guy that i think syracuse fans may recognize from last season he's got 81 yards on 17 carries this year for just under five yards a carry but last year he, he only touched the ball 10 times, but had 170 yards, two very long touchdown runs. He really killed Syracuse last year. And that's the other thing that a dual threat quarterback can do to a defense is you get so focused on him that you lose sight of some of these other guys.
0: Yeah. And I mean, again, you just said how well schedule Lewis did last year. Two of those runs, as we discussed before the episode, one was 75 yards. One was 57 yards. He's got speed. He has speed to kill. And that is what's going to hurt this defense that we haven't seen a team yet outside of Rutgers that has true speed and Rutgers didn't show it a lot because they just couldn't, there was nowhere to go. If this defense can play as well as they did against Rutgers with the guys that are speedy. And we'll talk about one more in a little bit in Mario Douglas, the receiver, it, they could, if they play well, they'll shut them down. But if, if the tape of last year is any indication that is not the case against Lewis against this entire Liberty offense. And as you said, Malik Willis makes this a lot easier for all of them running wise that at some point, this Syracuse defense has to get worn out from the rush that at some point they're going to get exhausted. And if any team is going to exhaust a D line and the defense from the rush it's going to be this Liberty team.
1: Absolutely. Now here's, here's the, the positive for Syracuse when comparing to last year's team they are much less hurt they are much more healthy than they were last season when they played Liberty um in that game they didn't have Andre Cisco uh Trill Williams was not nearly hundred percent they did have Garrett Williams and he uh, Malfanamu but uh, they were scrambling at the safety position. They had a bunch of true freshmen playing in essentially, um, you know, their their first action of their college career. Now they've got a transfer back there and Jason Simmons, who's got some experience. Those freshmen are now, even though they're still freshmen, they're actually sophomore because of that extra COVID year. Um, and and so you've got that experience back there. I think that will help them quite a bit in this game. Exciting news. The Believe in Syracuse podcast is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for the contest Believe football pick'em at PlayActionPools.com and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, football pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contests, go to playactionpool.com today. They've got Survivor, pick them as well as a cool sports book style concept called build your bankroll playactionpools.com your new home for all your office sports pools but you know the, the the rushing point I think is interesting too Syracuse last year despite the fact that the defense did force a lot of turnovers they still were gashed in different areas for a variety of reasons injuries playing a part of that as well but they gave up a lot of big plays we haven't seen that this year so far In 2021, Syracuse is only allowing 63.7 yards per game on the ground, and players opposing players are only averaging 1.8 yards per attempt. That's huge. And so to your point, Syracuse shut down Rutgers' rushing attack. It's obviously a different quarterback this week because you've got that dual threat nature, as as we've discussed. You're noticing a theme here. But um, if Syracuse can shut down the other guys in the rushing attack, And that even if Malik Malik Willis has a pretty good game against you on the ground, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards, if you shut down the other guy so that they're not having success, you try to make their offense one dimensional, that's going to play a huge role in this game. So I think shutting down those running backs is going to be critical for Syracuse. Now I want to get to the other guy you mentioned. He was he was the guy that kind of stood out to me is Demario Douglas. You look at his frame, you know, he's five, eight. It doesn't. It's not really that impressive, but he's kind of one of these waterbug guys, right? The the guy you can throw the quick screen to, but he's hard to see because he he's on this on the smaller side, can, but can take a, a short pass and turn it into a chunk gain or even take it to the house. He is the team's number one wide receiving number one receiving option without a doubt. He has sixteen catches on the season. It's more than double the next closest receiver. 185 yards also leads the team. Two touchdowns is also tied for the team lead. Now, his long on the season is only 35 yards, but don't let that fool you. He is a guy that can burn you because of his speed. I think Demario Douglas is going to put a lot of pressure on the Syracuse secondary.
0: I think it will too, but, and this is the big but here, Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut can shut down a receiver. That is the biggest thing we've seen so far this year. We saw it against Rutgers with all their guys. They shut him down. Garrett Williams is a legitimate draft pick cornerback. He can shut down anybody. Same with Deuce. If Garrett goes this week, I'm guessing he's getting the Demario Douglas assignment. And I would, I would put my money, if we're going one-on-one, on Garrett Williams. He knows what this matchup is going to mean. He knows if he can shut him down. He can always put it on his reel later saying, I shut down a Malik Willis team. And Blake was a first round draft pick. So what are you doing now? NFL uh, like drafters like he's going to he's going to have to have a big game.
1: Yes. And he's he's projected by some to be a first round NFL draft pick. And obviously that will be determined by the way he plays the rest of the season. But I'll, I'll point back to the Rutgers game before he got hurt. Bo Melton is Rutgers' most dynamic offensive player, and he was going to be a huge part of their offensive game plan, try to get him the ball in space, try to uh, push the defense vertically with, with his speed and his playmaking ability. And when Garrett Williams is out there, he shut Bo Melton down. You didn't even know that Bo Melton was out there running routes. You just He disappeared. And Bo Melton is a guy that that NFL draft uh, scouts are looking at as someone that is potentially draftable as, you know, a third, fourth, fifth round type of a guy potentially higher with a huge year and Garrett Williams shut him down and no offense to DeMario Douglas. He's not the NFL prospect that Bo Melton is. Bo Melton is more talented. He's more experienced Douglas still has some things that are going to test Garrett Williams. There's no doubt with that speed, um, his short stature I think is is going to put a different type of pressure on the Syracuse corners, but we've seen Garrett Williams shut down opposing wide receivers. We've seen Deuce Chestnut with his tackling ability. So if they do decide to try to throw a lot of quick screens to him, you know, that Deuce Chestnut can make the tackle. You feel confident that Garrett Williams can get up there and make the tackle. And even when Garrett Williams has come out, Um, Adrian Cole has stepped up and and played pretty well when he's been out on the field. He played pretty well against Rutgers as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I do agree with you. I think Garrett Williams is going to get the DeMario Douglas um, assignment to try to shut him down and force Malik Willis to use his other guys to try to beat Syracuse. That's, that's kind of a chess match within a chess match here. And I'll be interested to see how that plays out. And, and, you know, even if Williams can't go, if you put Deuce Chestnut on him, you still feel pretty good that Syracuse should have um, at least feel pretty comfortable that they don't have to you know, rotate coverage over to his side in order in order to shut him down. And if you see him shut Douglas down, say it's Chestnut or Williams, whichever one it ends up being,
0: if they can go one-on-one the entire game and shut them down, that means you can spy somebody on Willis. That means you take away his outside threat. That gets one more man that could stay in, stop Willis from running the ball. And that cuts off a lot of what their game's going to be that if Chestnut or Williams, whoever it is, ends up on Douglas, if they can shut him down, that is a humongous help to the Syracuse defense. It means they can focus on the run and just put him on an island that in the past, if you see the Jets play, you put Revis out there one on one against anybody and you play the rest of the team in whatever formation you want to. That you say, Revis, you get your guy and whatever else happens, the field happens. You have nothing to do with that. That is what this game should be for Williams, for Chestnut is you put them on an island and you say, shut him down. We need to stop Willis. That is our first and only priority. But your only priority today, whichever it's Chestnut, Williams, whoever it ends up being, is to shut down DeWarner Douglas and just say, you're not getting anything today. And if he gets two receptions for 13 yards, that is an amazing day. And that, that is a you go home head held high, like you did your job.
1: Absolutely. And I do expect Garrett Williams to play for the record in this one. Now we, we talked a little bit about Syracuse's defense and how good they've been through their first three games. Uh, Liberty has been no slouch on the defensive side of the ball either. Now we mentioned, we talk about the level of competition. That's kind of where I think part of that is going to factor in as much as you want to point to Syracuse and, and their two and one record. And the fact that their wins are against Albany and Ohio If you look at Liberty's schedule, they have played FCS Campbell. They played Old Dominion, who is a, um, I'd say, average to below average non-Power 5 team. And they played at Troy, which is kind of an average to above average non-Power 5 team. Um, So this is their first Power 5 opponent against Campbell and Old Dominion. They dominated those games. I think the cumulative score was 90 to 24 between those two games. At Troy, their only other road game so far, they struggled a little bit. They only scored 21 points; it was a season low. They gave up 13 points, which was a season, uh, which at that point was a season high. Old Dominion ended up getting 17 points with a couple of scores in garbage time. But um, Liberty's defense has only given up 12 points a game. They're only allowing 58 yards per game on the ground, two yards a carry. They've forced five turnovers on the season. Um, in in three games, they're doing a little bit of everything. They've got 10 sacks as a unit, so they're pressuring the quarterback, they're turning the ball over, and they're not allowing uh, big plays or or success on the ground. I I think Liberty's defense is going to be interesting to see how the little chess match between a defense that's been good but hasn't played anybody and an offense that um, has had in Syracuse that's had its share of struggles as well. Yeah,
0: I mean, we're gonna to have to see how that works because uh, Liberty's top tackler is Story Jackson. They're they're one of their linebackers. He's been he's played real well this year. Uh, their DT, Kendi Charles, had four sacks so far. He had three last week against Old Dominion, uh, which is by all means a very strange game in general. I mean, again, as we've said, Troy was the only real matchup they have had so far. Um, but we'll have to see kind of how that chess match works. If Story Jackson can do what he's been doing at Syracuse offense, it's going to be a rough day. We've seen a team with a good linebacker has stopped Syracuse before, and I'm scared it's going to do it again. Uh, Scruggs and Thomas uh, out back as the safeties, both strong tacklers, second and third on the team in tackles. Uh, We're going to have to see how this one works. Um, I'm fairly confident that we can see a big game from the receivers. Sean Tucker is going to have to tear up that D line that is going to be the biggest uh, point of emphasis. Again, as we've said, we said it last week, I'll say it again. Now, this is Sean Tucker's team.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think the offense should flow through him. And and hopefully for Syracuse, they have Taj Harris back this week because I think having him as your number one wide receiver, uh, whether he plays in the slot or plays outside, you move him all over the place. That gives you such a dynamic weapon. I think gives your offense its best chance to move the ball against Liberty. But, We mentioned a little bit in there about the turnovers. Syracuse has had its share of struggles with turnovers. They turned it over against Rutgers. They had two interceptions that they threw against Albany. Liberty has forced five turnovers so far this year. Syracuse hasn't really forced many themselves. I think only two on the season. Um, This is a game where I think that the turnover battle is going to be such a huge, uh, such a huge factor because Syracuse is the underdog going in, I believe, by about six points last time I checked. And when you want to pull off an upset, when you're a home underdog, one of the ways you do that is by winning the turnover battle. You take care of the ball yourself. You don't make those big mistakes. And then you give the ball to your offense with a couple of short fields that where they can put points on the board gets your fans into the game, gives you momentum, uh, puts pressure on the opposing team. And, you know, the, all of those good things that come along with it. I think the turnover battle is going to be such a huge factor in this one. Oh, it's going to be massive. And I mean, you've been, you've been preaching about this for the last, like, three games so
0: far, that we haven't forced many turnovers. The one true turnover we had was Deuce Chestnut crazy interception. Like, we need to force turnovers. This Liberty team does not turn the ball over much. That that is their big thing is they hold on to this ball. Willis hasn't thrown a pick yet. He hasn't fumbled the ball yet either running the ball. So I'm, whoever wins the turnover battle will win the game. I think that is what it's going to come down to. That if you are picking a team, if you're betting on one thing to watch, you can watch Willis, you can watch DeVita, you can watch Tucker, you can watch Lewis, Green, Henderson, whoever you want to on the Liberty side. But in the end of the day, whoever can force the most turnovers will win the game because it's going to be a close game. That Willis is going to like, we should beat Liberty without Malik Willis. But with Willis, they probably should beat us. But we'll have to see. It's, as you said, a turnover battle. This was going to be if we can force a turnover off of Willis. Ooh, that's big. That is real big to help us out and give DeVito every chance possible to go down the field and score.
1: And here's the interesting thing about that. The fact that he hasn't turned the ball over yet. He also hasn't played against a cornerback tandem like Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams with legitimate NFL guys there. Uh, Cause I think Deuce Chestnut's going to be the next in line to be a legitimate NFL uh, caliber player. Uh, so far he's, he's proven to have that level of talent. And then you've got Garrett Williams on the other side, who is a potential first round NFL draft pick. And now Malik Willis has to go against that, along with the fact that his offensive line struggles. He's going to have pressure on him. He shouldn't have wide receivers that are running as open as they were in his first three games. So how does he handle that? And then even though the level of competition they've been playing hasn't been great, they've still given up pressure on the quarterback with eight sacks in three games. Now you've got a Syracuse defensive line that's been playing really well, has a different level of athlete, than the Campbells and the old Dominions do. Now is it easier for Malik Willis to hold on to the ball? Those are kind of some interesting things when he gets hit, how all of that plays out. And Syracuse has done a nice job, even though I think they've only recovered one fumble. They have forced quite a bit of them when they've gotten to the quarterback. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on. The other interesting thing, the last thing I wanted to point out before we get into our predictions on this one is penalties, this was something we talked about in the Albany game where Syracuse had 16 penalties for 164 yards. Both were were program records A so 16 penalties tied a program record, 164 penalty yards set a program record. But Liberty has its own penalty issues. You know, Syracuse is averaging, I believe last I checked, uh, 12 penalties a game, 10 penalties a game, something like that. And Liberty is having its own issues in terms of of penalties. They're averaging about seventy one penalty yards per game. Uh, pretty similar, actually, to where Syracuse is in terms of its penalties per game. So. I think this is going to be a really interesting sort of side story. When you're looking at turnovers, you kind of lump the penalties in with it. It's kind of who makes the fewest mistakes, who can kind of, um, you know, play a little bit above what their norm is, be a little bit smarter, not put your offense in, in first and long, second and long situations, and wait for the other team to make some of those mistakes.
0: And something we've harped on a bit today is getting to Malik Willis, the pressure that if you see this D line, start pressuring Willis a lot more often. They're getting the jump on the O-line. They're getting past them. The O-line might get a little bit more jumpy. And then they're going to be like, I got to get one extra step on this guy, whoever's coming off the edge, whoever's coming up the middle, and they're going to start moving early. And then you get the false starts. And these are getting more and more penalties. Those rack up. Five yards may not seem like a lot. Five, 10, 15 yards may not seem like a lot. It adds up later. I mean, you're seeing it constantly with all of these crazy... Uh, Targeting calls happening throughout college football, you see it in the NFL with the taunting calls happening that a 5-10 yard penalty may not seem like a lot to a fan. It is a huge deal to a defense. And if you force them back five more yards to a a second and 15, a third and 15, that's massive. That it can really turn the tide of a game. And if you're this defense, especially for Syracuse, if you can force this team, this O-line to false start, say three or four times this game. It's going to help. It's going to help everything. Give DeVito more time to relax and get ready get a actual game plan going here. Let Sean Tucker rest his legs. He's going to have to work all day. That if you can force the pressure, you can get those false starts. You can get Willis out of his rhythm, get his entire team just out of sorts. That's huge. And the Loud House will also help that. I mean, we've seen it. We get loud. We get crazy. It's a Friday night game under the lights in the dome. I know there's a new light system outside of the dome as well. That's going to be blue and orange for Cuse. I cannot wait to see what the environment is like for this game. And I am fully expecting multiple penalties. I mean, I'm I'm hoping for eight to ten penalties on Liberty. But as you said, we we shouldn't have the same amount of penalties. And if we do, it's not good for us.
1: No, Syracuse has to correct that for sure. But to your point about the crowd, you know, you start getting one or two false start penalties, starts getting in their head, and then the crowd gets louder. And then, you know, they're all thinking about let's make sure that we don't false start. And so then you have one of two scenarios where one, you either end up compounding the problem by false starting more because you're thinking about it so much or you're a half a step late in terms of getting out of your stance when the ball is snapped which gives Syracuse's defensive line an even bigger advantage and then you've got the crowd yelling and can they communicate well are they changing a protection someone misses an assignment all of that can snowball and that's where the Syracuse defense can have a huge impact on this game Let's wrap it up with this, though. We'll get into our predictions for Syracuse versus Liberty. Kyle, I want to start with you. What is your prediction for who's going to win and what the final score is going to be?
0: So this game last year ended 38-21 Liberty uh, in the Loud House, in their favor. Uh, I don't think it's going to go that way this year. I think we are going to pull it out. I think, again, as we've been saying, a lot of things, we need a lot of things to go right but this team can make those things go right on their own. It's not just a we're hoping for Liberty to mess up or them to do this or that. The other it's we are good enough to do these things. We will do them. I'm going Syracuse 34, Liberty 27. I think Liberty's downfall, and I'll talk about this in a second, is their kicking game. Their kicker is 13 for 20 last year. He's one for three this year. If you can force them to go for these field goals, he's going to miss them. He's, he's shown it. He's not 13 for 20. He's not a great kicking percentage. If you ask me, uh, just based on numerically, you know, uh, so if it comes down to it, I think Syracuse win by a touchdown. Uh, but I think it could be even more comfortable than that. If you force them to kick.
1: Yeah. I like. I, I think that's all spot on. Um, most people I think are going to pick Liberty to win this game. And I think Malik Willis is a big reason why, uh, I do think Syracuse has an advantage in a lot of other places. To me, this comes down to turnovers, Syracuse cleaning up their penalties and then can the offense look closer to what it was against Albany than what it was against Rutgers. They need to take a step forward. I think that might mean um, a shift in philosophy, meaning as we've harped on in this, on this uh, uh, podcast over and over again, the RPO game with Tommy DeVito and Sean Tucker with letting Sean Tucker and the running game be the focus of the offense and not necessarily the air attack. That's what I would do if I'm Syracuse going into this game is, is really try to uh, assert your will and your dominance with your offensive line. I'm going to take I'm going to go out on a limb and take Syracuse in this one. I'm going to say 34 to 28 Syracuse pulls off a win in the dome, gets to three and one. And, uh, you know, some fans start to have a little bit of, of restored faith in Dino Babers and the direction of the program. That'll do it for episode six of the Believe in Syracuse Podcast, presented by Bet Online for Kyle F. I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.